3: Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street, horror for the casually obsessed. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, we are taking you back to Camp Crystal Lake, the serene waters of Camp Crystal Lake to talk the OG number one, Friday the 13th from 1980, and the follow-up sequel of many. (laughs) Friday the 13th, part two. From 1981, is it 81? Yeah. Wow. They were fast. They
2: pretty much put a movie out every year throughout the 80s. Well,
3: summer camp is every summer, John.
2: And no summer is complete without putting at least one of these movies on your on your summer horror watch list.
3: Absolutely.
2: Right. You have to watch at least one Friday the 13th. I was going to say at least one summer camp movie, but I mean, you can you can watch Sleepaway Camp and a Friday the 13th movie, and oh, still they call won't it judge you. Summer. No. <laughs> We've been slowly working our way through the franchise, actually, and our only requirement is that we watch them outside, either in the backyard or in our RV. Drive-in also counts. Drive-in
3: counts. If you have
2: an opportunity to see one of these movies at the drive-in, you really got to take that opportunity. Yeah. Immediate five, immediate even just, half star bump.
3: Even just 12 extension cords and bringing out your whatever devices you don't mind getting a little damp to the backyard is totally fucking worth it. Seeing the Camp Crystal Lake, the trees, the woods, the machete uh, outside is a very immersive experience. Some would say, us, it is 4D.
2: Before we get into it though, Kim, what's keeping you creepy this week?
3: Uh there's a bunch of stuff that ha- has come, a lot. Has come out We're gonna try
2: and barrel through it. Is
3: coming out. Uh let's start with what's already out, The Boy Behind the Door. That landed on Shutter last week. Sure did. I have not seen it yet.
2: <laughs> well then let me fill you in. Boy Behind the Door, directed by Justin Powell and David Charbonnet, who also put out the gin this year. They got two movies out in twenty twenty one. We caught I That's caught, the
3: backlog from COVID, I'm a i sh- I'm sure.
2: Well, I saw The Boy Behind the Door at Fantastic Fest in 2020. The gin had not come out yet. So, like, they had already done oh, a wow. second movie. Uh, this is... It's a really good thriller. Super, like, your seat, nail-biter type movie. Two kids get kidnapped. One refuses to let his friend go when he has a clear path toward to, to escape and uh, it's it's totally worth it. I highly recommend you check it out. There's a review on the website. There's also an interview with the directors as well if you want to hear about their lifelong friendship. They've known each other since kindergarten and they grew up watching horror movies together. And you you can really see it in The Boy Behind the Door.
3: And this week Suicide Squad how are we titling this one?
2: I think it's The Suicide
3: Squad. The Suicide Squad. Yeah. Follow up to the first Suicide Squad. I don't know how it works. I don't watch trailers, so I don't know if there's any connective tissue other than Harley Quinn, and is there one other person? That I think was... it
2: might just be Harley Quinn. Wow. I'm not entirely sure. There's a sure. shark in this one. <laughs> I, I do really appreciate that the trailers have been, this fucking movie rocks. You should fucking see this fucking movie. I think that's an actual quote from James Gunn in the most recent trailer.
3: Yay. I've heard some really good things from, you know, rumblings on the internet and a few people we know that got some early access to it. We are checking it out tomorrow today when this podcast lands and uh i'm sure we'll let you know our thoughts when once we see it
2: can't wait i hear it's the goriest big budget movie ever made i oh i hope they deliver on that promise
3: (laughs) we're fully vaxxed now so any opportunity to go to the theater i'm like yeah what what the suicide squad what is okay
2: (laughs) yeah this will be our third trip back to the movie theater in a week
3: (laughs) and a trip to the drive-in because we can't let the drive-in feel down or anything guys
2: all we do is watch movies (laughs) And then occasionally talk about them here on the podcast.
3: That's kind of the reason why we started the podcast, John.
2: Yeah. Last week, second movie back to the theater, first one was Zola. We saw The Green Knight, which Kim wrote a review for. She's probably more inclined to tell you what it's about than I am.
3: Uh, I don't want to spoil it. It's a super spooky fantasy film. It's a period piece set in King Arthur times, you know, the Knights of the Round Table. It's about a really famous legend, a poem, an epic poem that uh, comes, comes from, I think it's the 16th century. (laughs) about uh, a valiant knight-to-be and a Christmas game. And that just so involves uh, some beheadings. And uh, yeah, there's some really spooky stuff that I don't want to spoil. Like all epic journeys, uh, our character will meet a few people along the sides. And some of them are kind of scary. Kind of spooky. Uh, I really liked it. I thought I thought it was a really fun film. Uh, I was so stoked to find out it was a Christmas movie because you better believe I'm going to watch this at Christmas.
2: Yeah, that was a big surprise. Also, was it Ralph Innes? Is that his name? Inneson, the dad from The Witch is in it. He got a big rumbly fucking voice.
3: He's really good, and he's mostly just voice. <laughs> he's the Green Knight. It's good.
2: It's good stuff.
3: But yeah, that's out in theaters now. A24. Obviously, you're going to see it if you like fantasy and you like dark stuff. Dev Patel is fucking outstanding he's great in it. and he's got the best cloak
2: <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking for more stuff to watch more new horror the Fantasia International Film Festival kicks off today August 5th it runs through to August 25th we're covering it for the website Woo! We'll, we'll be talking about it here on the podcast as uh, you know in the what's creepy keeping us creepy segments throughout the rest of the month we've had a chance to see a few movies so far we can't talk about any of them really except for a sci-fi movie that we saw called Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes which, super cute <laughs> oh so good it's essentially a time travel version of One Cut of the Dead um, the,
3: oh that's a great description well, it's,
2: it's all shot in one take it's done by a theater troupe and the idea is that they can see 2 minutes into the future and guess what they abuse that power <laughs> <laughs> it's it's super great really charming there's a whole ton of other movies playing at Fantasia i highly recommend you check it out the night house is one of them uh which i'm sure you've heard plenty about
3: david bruckner's new movie
2: right uh there are a whole ton of indie horror big budget horror it's it's just the, the programming at fantasia is always great uh, because they pick some of the weirdest movies that you've never heard of. We saw a fucking movie called The Sadness. That
3: Are we allowed to talk about
2: it? I don't. I, what do I say? It's a sort of zombie movie, sort of infection movie. It's got a whole ton of fucking gore, guys. Oh, You're it's gonna,
3: balls to the wall. It's
2: nuts. And that's probably all we're allowed to say about it. <laughs> but that's that's one I'd recommend checking out. But, you know not immediately after eating a full meal.
3: Yeah, and of course, we're going to be giving you all the highlights from our Fantasia coverage and like all of our favorite stuff. We'll keep you posted here uh, on the podcast and as well on our website. Check out all the coverage there, nofspodcast.com. And before we send you out, we just have a few Fiend Clubby announcements. If you're a fan of the podcast and you want to join the Fiend Club, that is at nofspodcast.com/fiendclub. This Friday, we are kicking off our August long watch party of Friday the 13th the series. We are watching the first 3 episodes on Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. All the information is at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub in the post section. And we're then going to be watching them almost every Friday. I know there's a Friday the 13th this month. Uh, Unfortunately, we will not
2: be doing a streaming event on that night.
3: It's also the height of the Perseids meteor shower, so we're going to be camping then. (laughs) And I suggest you do so as well. Where better to spend a Friday the 13th in the summer than out looking at some fucking stars and getting scared. I didn't
2: even think about that. What so, happens if we get murdered? <laughs>
3: then somebody else is going to have to carry on the watch party because we're doing it the following two Fridays. Okay. Um, but all the dates and information, like I said, are at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub, and you can join for six bucks a month.
2: I've never seen these shows. I, I've heard a lot about them. I'm really excited to check them out, and you know, it gives you the opportunity to talk with your fellow fiends. There's a live chat portion that we just sort of joke around throughout all of these episodes, and we build pre-shows for every single episode. So if you want to see some some spooky commercials and some Halloween, I'll content, give you I'll
3: give you a teaser. Uh, the first season was from 1987, so it's going to be some
2: 1987 shit. Oh, that means uh, Friday the 13th part. Six, so we'll, we'll fit a trailer in for that. Some, we'll find some TV spots; it'll be perfect.
3: But enough news. Let's get back to Camp Crystal Lake for the inaugural uh, opening uh, of after the terrifying things that happened there.
2: You were gonna say inaugural murder, but you realized that there were previous murders. Uh,
3: the first movie of the franchise.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hello? Who is that? Oh, hi. What are you doing on this mess? One. Two. Three. We were just messing up in four five. Six. Must be in my imagination.
3: 13th from 1980, currently sitting at a 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb, 64% on Rotten Tomatoes, 22% on Metacritic, and a 3.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd.
2: I will say, regarding that Metacritic rating, though, uh, so 22% seems very low, but the audience score is is pretty much in line with everything else. It's 5.9 out of 10.
3: It's funny that we read ratings at the top of every episode because, honestly, they don't correlate with anything.
2: <laughs> yeah, know, why for... do we do it? Let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's put a pause on this right for, now.
3: For new movies, I, I guess it's just the context of, like, are we talking about a so bad it's good or a so good it's good? Those I guess we the... can just
2: come out and say that.
3: <laughs> those are the, this is our rating. So good it's good. <laughs> yeah, because there's really there's only those two things that we talk about on the podcast.
2: We should start saving these for the end when we give our ratings and be like, oh, it's it's great that you gave it a four out of four because Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 22.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And I find especially when it comes to there's two completely different rating systems in the same rating class. Uh, with a new release versus a really classic film. The, the Rotten Tomatoes has like a rose-colored glasses for anything that was released prior to 1999.
2: Yeah, and... prior to Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs>
3: exactly. So the the rating is so skewed on classic films and vintage films and retro films.
2: I mean, I'll, I'll peel back the curtain a little bit and let you know that Friday the 13th Part 2 has a 28% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. What's up with that? No rose-colored glasses for part two.
3: <laughs> well, and I and I think it was also coming out at, at a weird time for horror. We're still in it, where where horror is seen as less than. Uh, why am I even saying weird time for horror? Horror is still seen as less than.
2: Yeah, Friday the Thirteenth got a bad rap, like right at the gate. It seemed like across the board, a lot of the critics, the major critics, writing for newspapers really didn't appreciate it. And and the, in, in the same way that I'd say probably some early 2000s critics probably turned their nose at Hostel for being so graphic and... And, and, whatnot. Well,
3: and I think a lot of that comes down with, with kind of a fear. Like with Hostel, it was a fear of the torture porn. We, they didn't want, oh, there's going to be so many movies like this. And then when Saw came out, Saw got a lot of that vitriol as well.
2: So people think the, the critics in the 80s didn't want a lot of Friday the 13th. Well, and I, here we are.
3: <laughs> I, and, and so what I believe is that because, and, and it got a lot of flack for this, and I think it still kind of gets flack from anybody who's critical of horror, that Friday the 13th is just a ripoff of Halloween. And in a way, it kind of was, you know, and it very blatantly was, but it was the first thing that set in motion that slasher was going to be a subgenre. It was going to be a type of horror film. Yeah. And anybody that didn't want that, the, the the gratuitous violence of the POV killer and the graphic murder scenes, wanted to kind of slam this movie down. And you, you see that especially when it made a ton of money and spawned a sequel only a year later. Oh, yeah. It's just like, shit, this is becoming a thing.
2: Yeah, like, no joke, it made a lot of money, too. It cost, I got this from Wikipedia, $550,000. It made, do you know how much?
3: Uh, I did read the Wikipedia. so... Oh, okay, so you but... also know? Should I? Should I be like, uh, <laughs> no? How much? Uh, like uh, fifty-six, I think, million dollars. Or... Fifty-nine
2: point eight worldwide.
3: <laughs> and like, there was a fucking bidding war. So what happened was, this was kind of a title before the content sort of thing. Like they, they were like, we need something punchy, something like Halloween, but.
2: But not Halloween. But
3: not infringing. <laughs> and so, Friday 13th. So, Sean S. Cunningham had a graphic designer make the, the cool block font logo with the smashy glass. Looks great. Before they had written the script or anything. So, I don't even know how much of the story they had developed at that point.
2: Pure drive-in movie making <laughs> gold.
3: Well, because there's no reference to summer camp. There's no reference to machetes nope. or knives or pitchforks or nothing. And it doesn't tell you anything about the movie. But the title, which is fucking bomb.
2: And it got buzz. And it
3: got buzz. And it got bought and made bank.
2: Yeah, a lot of money. Holy shit, did it make a lot of money.
3: And we, this movie does get a lot of flack for being kind of a Halloween ripoff. But I think
2: it's a good ripoff. I if think it, it's for, a for fantastic being, yeah, ripoff. For being a ripoff, and you can really see it. It is 100% <laughs> a ripoff. <laughs> like From start to finish, it's a great ripoff.
3: Ripoff is such a bold word.
2: Yeah, I know. And it's eh, whatever. So you saw somebody who made a movie that was really successful and you decided I also want to make a movie like that. That's really successful. It's not like this was the first movie Sean S. Cunningham had made. You know, he's worked with Wes Craven before this. He's uh, he's directing it. Who who cares? It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, it's crazy to me that this movie that like when you watch it as just a single film, it's crazy that it made this much money, and then also that it has 11, 12 sequels?
3: Well, and there's something so unique about the premise in that, so we need the same kind of, um, the vibe and the elements so like we need the vulnerable teenagers and, and we can't do babysitters babysitters are done and Halloween night is done. So but they... what
2: are counselors but babysitters? Yeah
3: <laughs> so they, they pivot to summer to the summer camp vibe which is so foreign to horror because it's such a positive experience. Everybody who went to summer camp or grew up at summer camp or was a counselor has really fond memories of that time and it's a time to be free from your parents and have these little rums bring us. and you're first real experiences of like adulthood these are the like the first times that you're away from your parents for a considerable amount of time unless you were in a boarding school which (laughs) none of us were
2: (laughs) it's funny because what you're describing is summer camp you are not describing friday the 13th there is, There are no kids like that is one of the genius moves about this that we go to summer camp, you know, where you where you go as a kid to explore and, and find independence away from your parents. And then they just strip it of kids okay, <laughs> like it's so... two weeks before the kids even show up
3: okay but that it's also the same experience for counselors like sure. most first romances and I, I'm assuming like virginity losses <laughs> occurred for counselors at summer camp I would
2: think just based on ages yeah
3: <laughs> I never went to camp but I'm assuming they were all 16 17 I think
2: yeah 17 seems like the right age yeah for a summer babysitter
3: camp license age
2: <laughs> yeah Something that I think one of the biggest strengths I think this movie has, which is arguably, I guess, a ripoff from Halloween, which is another thing that I don't think Halloween gets enough credit for is the hangout vibe. Halloween has significantly less of a hangout vibe. There's
3: a really good hangout. I was going to bring that up, too. Yeah, There's, there's such a good hangout vibe.
2: That is the thing that I love the most about this movie is how chill it is. It's just like a fun night in the middle of summer. It's it's just a group of kids hanging out, getting some work done, playing board games, strip Monopoly, uh, you know, having a few drinks and kicking back. It's just a bunch of people hanging out. It is such a vibe.
3: Yeah. And to be fair, we don't get a lot of opportunity to, to see characters like this nowadays because filmmaking, especially studio filmmaking, is so efficient.
2: Oh, this is, yeah, this for a modern movie, this meanders. Like, yeah.
3: No, it totally meanders. If but... this movie
2: was written today, they would say your second act sucks. <laughs> All of it is bad. <laughs>
3: Why are they talking about their favorite fucking ice cream? By the way, if I was an ice cream, I would be mint chocolate chip. John?
2: If I was an ice cream? Tiger stripe, baby. Remember that ice cream Ew. that no one liked? <laughs> it was Wasn't that
3: a fucking sorbet?
2: I have no idea. I Who loved, are you? I loved how it looked. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I hated, Never liked it. I hated, got it all the time. Didn't love it. <laughs> I hated sorbet because they would put it in a cone like it was ice cream, but that shit was not hard enough to be cone worthy. It would be all over your hands by the time you got to the car. Oh, that! And I... then mom would be like, lean out the window, you're going to get like a full street. That never happened, but I'm sure for somebody
2: it did. Definitely. <laughs> super kid was a, big, was a big winner for me when I, I was I was a big younger. super
3: kid. Or like that shitty bubblegum ice cream where like the bubblegum was all like, hey, yeah, that's not we good... were pink, but now we're not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the teenagers, yeah. so real. Hanging out. Uh, just talking about ice cream and shit, kind of like we just were. And yeah, it is kind of meandery, but... It
2: has a hot summer day vibe
3: yeah and, and i don't
2: think you can I can't underscore how great and how hard that is to capture
3: well in the setup of this film too is the murders are all so isolated that all of your living characters don't know that that summer vibe has been quashed until I'm, the very fucking end of the movie when there's only one left
2: i'm so happy you said that because that is such a weird move For a slasher movie. No, okay, sure, this came like early slasher stuff, but like how many other slasher movies can you name where no one knows people are dying? (laughs) No one. No Uh, it
3: happens for a bit and like normally you get like that first act fun where some people die, but eventually somebody discovers them and then it's like, Oh fuck.
2: Yeah, it's it's almost like they realize that you can't do that for every movie and that's why Jason starts staging bodies. Like, why does he display bodies? It's like because they can't all be two hours of I wonder where my friends went. Like you can't you can't do that for ten movies. It's such a weird move, and I don't think I've ever noticed how strange it is.
3: Yeah, I almost wanted to pause when Alice finally discovers I think it's Bill's body at the the generator and he's all like hung up on the arrows. Yeah. That is the first time that somebody's been like alerted to oh shit, something's going down and then not dying immediately.
2: <laughs> yeah, well she's the last one. Does anybody else discover a body?
3: No, because everybody dies solo. I mean, apart from that bunk bed situation, but bunk
2: beds (laughs) are secret.
3: (laughs) Secret things happen on bunk beds. They had
2: sex underneath the dead body. They didn't even know he was there. Which was wonderful. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Man, it, and that—that's that, the other thing too. Like, obviously, Tom Savini did the practical effects for this movie. Everybody probably knows that, and they still look good in 2021. You know, normally you get a movie that's got a 4K restoration, and you're like, "Oh, I can see the seams." Like, I yeah, can. the
3: the Kevin Bacon death is so good,
2: still good. You almost get sick of hearing people talk about it. Like, oh, this is one of the best kills. This is, uh, it's on every list that comes out, like best kills in a slasher movie, best kills in the 80s. But yeah,
0: it's good.
3: <laughs> and there's still some kind of ambiguity with the murders too because some of them are done off camera like Bill is murdered off camera the girl in the archery Brenda. range yeah. yeah, she goes in the archery range and the lights go on and we're just like she dead
2: yeah you're definitely <laughs> dead Brenda sorry
3: and uh the fuck I, there's too many counselors so there's
2: sorry. a lot of, I, I was uh, thinking about that while we were watching it's like shit this is gonna be tough
3: <laughs> and I have their names open but it's just
2: I wrote them all down too
3: it's beyond me the guy at the beginning who's like what's that noise dead
2: oh that's oh what's ooh, Ned <laughs> Ned
3: Ned sounds right I'm assuming you, you read the Wikipedia page, but I do have a fun fact for you. Uh-huh. So if you know I did not it, read the whole Wikipedia. Okay, if right. you know it already, just pretend to act like super flabbergasted. Like this is like blowing your friggin' mind. Okay. So Bill uh, I think I know
2: this. I didn't read it from the Wikipedia page, oh, but no! I, <laughs> it's Bing Crosby's son. Yeah. Right?
3: <laughs> Why couldn't you let you fucking play along, you fuck?
2: I'm sorry. I <laughs> should <up. laughs> Isn't that weird?
3: <laughs> it blew my fucking mind. Yeah. Uh I think he's an investment banker now. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> Can you imagine being like, I died in the original Friday the thirteenth? He probably brings that up at every Halloween party. Okay. I am, I, an- <laughs> I,
2: I invented the prankster kill.
3: <laughs> okay, I have another like casting fun fact for you. Okay. That hopefully you do not know. I'm okay. So the kid uh who played Jason in yeah. that big final like blah canoe. <laughs> yeah. And I guess also the drowning sequence.
2: Yeah, young Jason. Yeah.
3: Uh I think it's Ari Lehman. Okay. He is in a punk rock slash metal band. No shit! Called The First Jason.
2: No way! Yeah. Good for him. That's
3: so fucking cool. Are
2: they good? Are they on Spotify? Can I you listen to know. them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have time to do Further research,
3: research required. <laughs> That's
2: all right. I bet they're great. So, so casting wise, I thought, I, I had also read that Annie, the, the first camp counselor to be killed in present day 1980, didn't audition. Uh, It it seems like some other people didn't audition either. It's just like Sean S. Cunningham was like, you're in the movie. Well, you need a bunch of teenagers. Yeah, (laughs) she was auditioning for something else, and the casting director was like, yeah, you're no good for this. But I do need a cute camp counselor, and you look like a camp counselor, and you're on set tomorrow. So she was, and I think she did all of her stuff in one day, which is great, because she's like, at a gas station, in a truck, killed in the woods, in another jeep, all in one day, efficient day of shooting. That is crazy. Yeah, independent film, man. And I think an argument could be made that she maybe should have been the final girl. Like, when you think about slasher formulas and who characters are and whatnot. There
3: was no formula. Well,
2: sure. I'm talking about, I'm looking at it with 2021 20, eyes, sure. maybe. Like, it's just knowing what I know about all slasher movies. It almost feels like she's the one that should have sort of stayed to the end. The but same way that the first girl who dies in Black Christmas maybe should have been Hitchhiking
3: is hecking risky behavior.
2: Yes, but it shows that she's independent and that she's resourceful and she's good with pets. She, <laughs> she pet that dog's head at the gas station. Also, she gets downloaded a whole bunch of information about the
3: camp. And ignores it.
2: And I guess ignores it. You're right, but they all do. Yeah. So and she's brunette. How many? How <laughs> many final girls are blonde?
3: I, you know, I can see why you would say that she could be the final girl, especially because most of the campers keep mentioning her. Like, where is Annie? Where is Annie? I mean, we've already seen her die in the forest, but
2: I guess I guess what I'm really getting at is I don't know that Alice is a great final girl. I think she just happened to be the last one around.
3: Um, I agree with you.
2: I hey, Adrian King does a great job of this movie. I think she kills it.
3: The the whole finale sequence, like, it feels a little drawn out oh and, boy and,
2: and, <laughs> there's a there's a lot of hitting mrs palmer and then just walking away yeah, from her unconscious like, body <laughs> <She's> <laughs> like, like, i'm this a- sure that's a- <laughs> <will> be-
3: <laughs> she hits her with a frying pan and she's like let's leave this cabin and find another one to hide in And it's just like if she's not pulp she's getting up <laughs>
2: yeah yeah it happens a lot she is relentless <laughs>
3: that proposes a question like a real life question in order for you know a counter murder to be classified as self-defense self-defense how intact does <laughs> does their brain contents need to be? Like, oh, I see. What if you're somebody, saying. so somebody's coming at you, you're hiding in the pantry, and you're like, "Fuck, fuck, cast iron skillet." Yep. I surely like, and especially my defense, like this is my whole argument, is like <laughs> I grew up on horror movies. The killer always gets up, so I would be making scrambled eggs.
2: Okay. A- out
3: of that person's head you know what i mean like i like the cops would show up hours later and i would still be, still be smacking. Healing, yeah. and they'd be like what happened here and i'm like they tried to murder me four hours ago <laughs>
2: <laughs> i was defending myself i'm currently digging a grave with a cast iron <laughs> skillet I, that's a great question. Yeah. I guess you don't want it to look too close to a slasher style killing that it doesn't look like you killed everybody. Yeah. It's a lot. When, ambidious... the co- when they show up, they will be your word against it there, <laughs> against no one else's. Yeah.
3: Like it's a lot less ambiguous. If say you had a gun and you were like to the brain and then you just like kept shooting. Yeah. But like with a frying pan, at least get some blood to trickle out of the ear before you stop. You know what I mean? Like, She's getting up.
2: <laughs> yeah, this this is what's great about horror movies because you put yourself in that situation. You're like, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't stop hitting. And she that's... just
3: she kept being like, subdued, run away, subdued, subdued. run yeah.
2: away. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like that. Like, she's just like a nice girl who's just kind hearted and wouldn't hurt a fly. So she only hits her attacker once. I I also think the end of this movie is a little drawn out,
3: especially when you're stranded at a fucking summer camp and everyone's dead. There is no exit path for this girl unless the police happen to come back.
2: I, I can't remember if it was the first one or the second one, but there are, Well, I think both of the movies have scenes where the power is out, except for, like, one cabin or whatever. Uh, we cannot... Like, one, we can't put ourselves in the shoes of there are no cell phones. There, it's not even a matter of, like, let's just walk to the main road so we can get some cell phone reception. Let's use our cell phone as a flashlight. It's... When the lights go out, it's fucking dark. Yeah, well, You're in I, the middle of nowhere. I think
3: somebody offhand said that it was three miles to the main crossroad, and even then, like... That's just a road. It's just a crossroad. Yeah, it's
2: not like that's where downtown is. It's (laughs) three miles. That's a good amount of walking.
3: Especially with a murderer who's getting up behind you. Yeah. And she had a working jeep. The murderer
2: did. Was that her jeep, or was that was that Steve's jeep? Like, did she kill him and take his jeep?
3: Maybe and come back. So, oh no, she picked up Annie. Yeah. In a jeep. So it yeah, was yeah, yeah, it yeah. was at least her jeep from the Annie murder.
2: <laughs> so I noticed this thing this time around that now that I'm thinking about it is absolute horseshit. <laughs> I was gonna say like we we see Annie get picked up by a mysterious driver. We don't see who it is. It's just a, a jeep picks her up. We never see the driver. And she starts talking about how, like, yeah, you know, I might want to have kids one day. And, you know, if I had them, I'd do anything for them, you know. (laughs) And it almost feels like she is downloading... The kill code into Pamela Voorhees' head. Like, maybe Pamela just lives in the area and had no plans on killing anybody. And then she picked up this girl, and Ooh. this girl started talking about motherhood, and she was just like, snapped! And then, and killed her, and killed everybody else at camp. And she thinks it's because, like, she, ah, oh, when I heard that they were opening the camp, I couldn't let them do that again. So I had to come back and murder you all. Like, she
3: did actually genuinely pick up Annie to hit, to, to, like, to get... be a nice woman. Wow.
2: And, and Annie just, like,
3: I have just never snapped
2: like made it just made her snap.
3: I have never watched it with that in mind, but going with that fan theory, I would like to watch it again right now.
2: Oh yeah, That's but a, so it's it's okay. not as though it's not as though she's been boiling over for a long time because no. she did come back the next year and kill two other counselors who were having sex. But
3: okay, but it's a fucking fun fan theory because oh, she sure, had to have yeah. been dormant for a while because the camp was dormant.
2: I, well, I think the camp went out of business after she killed those two counselors, and I guess they never solved. The and then murder. she
3: was like, "There, no more fornication sons being murdered."
2: Yeah, which is silly for her because, like, the one place negligent homicide, one place <laughs> teens are gonna go have sex and get ne- negligently homicided are at abandoned camps, right? Or
3: negligently homicide. <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs> that is true. But yeah, I, I think that's I think that's maybe bullshit. Uh, but I, I like I like looking at it that way. It's fun headcanon.
3: Okay, so I have a fun little segment. If you're cool to do this, sure. So we kind of exist in the post Friday Thirteenth space where we came into watching this movie knowing the killer was yeah. Pamela Voorhees. Now I tried really hard when we watched it last oh, night to get
2: in that headspace
3: to try to just like I'm Alice and and all oh, my friends are dead. I just discovered them. This jeep has come up. It's pouring rain. I'm super scared. And this kind looking okay. mom figure comes up. Yeah. And is really smiley and really calm. And it's actually really fun because I'm writing a character like this in a screenplay I'm working on right now. So, like, I was really trying to dial in. But I was thinking we could listen to the speech and and try to, like, unbiasedly pick if we were Alice, where we would be like, something's not right here. Okay. Or, like, if you were the audience member in in 1980 at the drive in and you're like, woo, this woman's come, uh, where you would pinpoint oh, fuck, something is wrong with this woman. Okay, because it's,
2: it's so funny you say that, because like I was trying to think about that while we were watching it as well.
3: Yeah, and it's such a surprise. We don't give enough credit to this ending anymore because it's just horror history. It's it's horror iconography. Yeah. It is part of the
2: horror conscious. Well, this is, this is how the movie made $59 million, because of this ending.
3: Yeah, and... I never give the ending credit, like I never wash myself of my prior knowledge when I watch it. It's tough, and I really tried to last night. And it's a, it's such a fucking good speech from Betsy Palmer. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. she's at the car and when she's in the cabin. Yeah, because you
0: get
2: two of them, right? It's like, yeah. hey, my name's Mrs. Palmer. My name's Mrs. Voorhees. I work
3: for the Christies. I'm yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Everything's fine. Murderers it's just this... don't wear cable knit sweaters. It's just this, this old place. That's right. That's the thing. It's a big smile, super friendly and in a very nice sweater
3: okay so I'm gonna play the clip from of Betsy Palmer's speech and we're each just gonna say here when we start getting those suspicions like when it goes from helpful lady to like red alarm bells the hairs are standing up on the back of your neck
2: okay go for (sighs) it let's do
1: it oh my lord
0: so young so pretty Oh, what monster could
2: have done this? So far, so good. Very, She's Filled upset. Up I
3: don't know, though. The
0: pretty thing.
3: Oh, okay, oh girls, this that's place. true.
0: Steve should never have opened this place again. There's been too much trouble
4: here. Did you know that a young boy drowned? Yeah, here. The, year well, before that's, those two others the camera moves. Killed. Like, that's, <laughs> the part of that is just like, it's reframing Mrs. They were making right? love while that young boy drowned. His name was Jason. I was working
1: the day that it happened. She
2: does seem to talk a lot about this kid. Like that's like so I guess I guess I'm also here with I'm here with Alice. Like I figured it out when she figures it out. Like no,
4: wait a minute. Help me, Bench. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't She's
2: got a lot of layers on, damn. We can
0: go now, dear.
4: I think we should wait for Mr. Now now you're
2: just like real, real <laughs> uncomfortable. Like you had your you had your suspicions and now you are absolutely
4: certain.
3: <laughs> when she looks off into the ceiling. Yep. <laughs> okay, okay. So
2: we, we we know where we would have figured out whether or not you know, our our fight or flight would've have, would have kicked in. You're out of the obviously out of the cottage way before I am. But <laughs> I'm my... just like drop kicking Ms. Voorhees
3: <laughs> in the face and I'm like, Fuck you! The Christies will forgive me
2: <laughs>
3: oh. You just take her jeep, this poor old lady.
2: <laughs> it comes at the end of this speech, but like the part that's like real creepy about the whole thing is when she goes. Okay, we can go now, dear. Like, she had to get the speech out before she killed the final girl uh, is is real interesting. It's like she drops the act entirely when she does that. I love that. Uh, it, it almost feels like she's done this before, like tricking somebody into believing that she's there to help them. Or, that, or at least she's planned it out a lot. Do you, well, there's another question. Like, Do you think this is a spur of the moment she just found out today or yesterday? Maybe when she picked up Annie?
3: So, from your fan theory, like, I never thought that, but fuck, maybe.
2: Well, it, even, it doesn't necessarily have to maybe play into the motherly stuff that Annie's bringing to her mind, but it could just be that Annie is the person who tells her I that don't... the camp is being reopened.
3: Yeah, so the issue is that because Pamela Voorhees is the killer is, like, headcanon, I don't think I ever gave any extra thought to her as a fully-fledged character, like, where her headspace is at apart from, like, being just this relentless slasher killer on Camp Crystal Lake, Mm. and my eyes are like really opened right now to the fan theorying how I think she found out when she found out whether this was planned out at all or, or yeah, like whether, um, she was just like picking up gas at the gas station and like crazy Rick or whatever <laughs> was like those friggin' teens down at camp blood. And like her, you know what I mean? Like her, um, she, she... just saw red and like there was a knife in the back of her truck. So yeah. she's like to the camp.
2: <laughs> I love that she is the one person who listens to Crazy Ralph. Everybody else is like, oh, Ralph, you're so nuts. And she's just like, what's that? There's kids there? They are doomed, if you ask me. (laughs) For reasons
3: unknown.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're right up on ratings, but I think we should probably at least talk a little bit about the ending ending of the movie, like the Carrie ending of the movie, because it's so fucking good. Like, so, so... I honestly think that's where the movie should have ended. Like, I don't even think we should have woken up back in the hospital. Oh, yeah. The
3: hospital feels like the beginning of the sequel.
2: And then the the score is just, like, a little too soft of an end, exit of the movie theater. Like Yeah,
3: and I think Alice really loses a lot of Final Girl credit.
2: He must still be the boy,
0: out there. The
2: boy!
3: In the water! Like, you're just like, oh, be cool. You're still a survivor. Alice, be cool. And, and we kind of... It could be one of one of two ways, yeah, like Carrie scare, uh, which is actually what it was based on. It wasn't in oh, the, yeah. it wasn't in the original script. and Victor Miller doesn't like any of the Jason stuff. He's just like, no, Jason's dead. That's what motivated Pamela wasn't really fond of like Jason being the killer in the sequels and stuff. yeah, and it makes a lot of sense because in the original script, It just ended with her floating away on the boat, which I love as a final girl move. Like, nowhere feels safe on the camp, even though she's decapitated the killer, but she still goes to, like, sleep in the boat and wait for help to arrive. There's something so... She's being um,
2: rocked to sleep.
3: Yeah, and just trying to find this little spot of safety. Like mm-hmm. at least this boat is my own, and, and there's something really wonderful about that. I love the image of baby Jason being like Bah-tah! Oh
2: my god, it's incredible. Uh,
3: it's fucking dope.
2: Where how we like we slow down, the camera zooms through into the water past the chaos oh, that's it's happening like, la, behind la, it. La, so la. fucking <laughs> so good. God damn, I love it. I like it more than Carrie, I think. Carrie's good. The carry the carry ending is real good, but <laughs> goddamn.
3: And it does really lend to what the franchise ends up being overall.
2: That's true. And I I without it, it's hard to say what the sequel of this would have been. Like I, I really think having that there is a great little button to end the horror movie on, and it really gave them a jumping off point for Friday the thirteenth, part two. Yeah. Which we'll get into in a minute.
3: There is something I wanted to say in regards to the supernatural qualities of the film. The first one. The first one. Okay. So primarily the only thing that you think of is the finale with the, the Jason jumping out of the boat. But the dream sequence that oh my god I
2: completely forgot about this yeah holy shit this is like I've I, I swear I've never seen this before in my entire life so, and it changed the movie okay. entirely I
3: honestly think what happened is because we were watching this outside in the camper there was a lot of outside noise so we were like captions on and that's primarily why we were like fuck these teenagers are fun holy fuck this dream sequence So this is kind of early in the day before the storm happens. Marcy and Kevin Bacon are hanging out. Yep. And she tells him about this recurring nightmare she's had and why she's afraid of thunderstorms. And it's very fucking
1: meta.
2: Yeah, because she's dreamt that she's standing in the rain and the rain turns to blood and she can't. Is it that she can't open her eyes or she can't move her hands or something? The point is... She's had a nightmare since childhood. Of of, the
3: rain turning to blood.
2: Of the rain turning to blood. She brings it up to Kevin Bacon because the thunderclouds are rolling in. They are staying at Camp Blood, unbeknownst to her. Annie is dead in the woods, just outside of camp. And Ned is dead in a cabin on a top bunk that they're about to have sex underneath. And she dies in the shower isn't it so isn't that part of the dream that she's having a shower no, and the water turns to blood I fuck now i don't remember
3: she calls it her shower dream that's
2: right she calls it the shower because it's a shower of blood oh man and then she
3: dies in the fucking shower there's also the sequence where one of the girls hears and the fucking Captions say "Young Jason," which is yeah, <laughs> which is like ugh. I don't love that. There
2: is there is a young person, maybe even a a a young girl's voice, uh, the, uh, screaming for help from the woods.
3: Yeah, and like help me, and it's kind of like this memory flashback of. Uh, little Jason drowning. What
2: if it is? What if it isn't? Mrs. Voorhees in the woods pretending to be her hus- her son.
3: Well, I think that's something supernatural about it. And I yeah. think the the finale and that dream really bring that moment to this possibility of is something supernatural here happening here, like maybe on
2: Friday the thirteenth. Yeah,
3: like maybe. It is haunted. Yeah. And Pamela Voorhees, who's this this very real human being, is, like, tapping into the ghost of her son, who's, yeah, who's yeah, yeah. like, this sad spirit that actually haunts the lake.
2: It's something that I've never seen in this movie before, the idea that they're playing with the supernatural abilities or, or happenings of Friday the 13th as a day. Like, weird things happen on Friday the 13th. Like, I think it's also a full moon that night. Uh, and, and, yeah, like, I don't... You know, the, the, the fact that I've seen this movie, I don't know, a dozen times or more, and I, that's, I've never picked up on any of that is maybe a sign that it wasn't done properly, or I've just never paid attention, because this is this is very much like a hang out with your friends kind of movie. Yeah, right? and
3: I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that they're wa- we're watching this retroactively, so we have the vision of this big hulking Jason Voorhees traditional slasher disposable teens horror so we're not giving any credence or any real attention to the little nuances that in all due respect, came before that
0: stuff.
2: Yeah, if you were watching this movie in 1980, in a world where none of the other Friday the 13th movies exist, that stuff probably all would have stood out. You're probably right. Like, it would have been like, wow, they're really setting the groundwork. What's happening? We got some weird stuff here and there. Is that
3: little boy ghost murdering people? Yeah. So I've never watched it with that vibe because unfortunately, like, I came into it knowing the killer.
2: Yeah, again cuz it is Friday the 13th and you're thinking like how is a day going to kill people? You know, like in 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 some sense. Like I also love that the title card is like breaking a mirror. Is that what it's supposed to be breaking? <laughs> like oh, it's true. bad luck. <laughs> you know, I think I think it's just trying to play up on Friday the 13th being a day where bad things happen, unexplained things happen, like stuff that could potentially end your life that you, you do not understand.
3: So a lot of times people pose the question, like if you could watch one movie again um, with like no awareness of it, a lot of people say Psycho or Exorcist. I honestly think I would choose at this point Friday the 13th to watch this movie with no prior knowledge to it for the first time. Well, because I, like yeah. reac-
2: I know what my reaction would be to seeing a movie like Psycho or The Sixth Sense for the first time with my, br- my mind erased of any knowledge of it. But you're right. Friday the 13th, it might play like fucking gangbusters, right? Like how, how else did a bunch of people who maybe normally don't watch horror movies go out and tell all of their friends, you got to fucking see this Friday the 13th movie. Holy shit.
3: Honestly, summer two, fucking summer, summer camp movie where a bunch of teenagers get murdered. Like, yeah.
2: it's
3: not a big sell, John. It's just like, well, all it right. Came, it came out in
2: May. It was before summer camp season. Uh, also, brilliant move of of the filmmakers to put this out on Mother's Day weekend. Like, holy shit, was oh, that a great, good. great idea? That's good. Yeah. So, with all that in mind, what's your rating of Friday the Thirteenth, Kim? And you're rating this viewing. I'm not asking, like, overall how you think it fits into the franchise with all of the other viewings you've ever had of this movie because we did see it at the drive-in last year, and that was fucking rad. Oh, man. Seeing this movie outside is the way to see it.
3: It's my new requirement. Like, I have to, at minimum, be, like, in my backyard or we watched it in the fucking camper because It's exactly why we
2: watched it in the camper.
3: Yeah, it... Okay, uh... (laughs) um, You know, I always kind of waver on this one a little bit, but I... I, And not that it, like, changes to maybe, like, a 0.5 or, or so. Yeah,
2: it goes up or down a little.
3: But I had a lot of fun trying to watch the Pamela Voorhees scenes, and now with, like, your fucking theories about maybe she just discovered that the camp was reopening, and this was, like, a really spur-of-the-moment thing, and that's why she's being so erratic.
1: She's
2: also using weapons from around the camp is yeah. the other thing, right?
3: Yeah, because she could have just fucking been like, "Okay, going to the camp store and buying a crossbow." You know what I <laughs> yeah, mean? Yeah. Okay, uh, three and a half out of four.
2: I'm I'm giving Friday the Thirteenth a three out of four. Like we're we're splitting hairs on this one, but damn, is it good? And honestly, better every time I see it. It really holds up, and, and I'm glad I finally come around on it. I used to I used to slam this one a little bit, saying that it was no good.
1: <laughs> Boo. <laughs>
2: yeah, agreed. Boo.
4: Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
2: Moving on, we're going to talk about the sequel that changed everything. It's it's a movie that really sent the franchise in the direction that we all know and love. Um, a, a movie that completely upends the, the entire story building of the first film. We're talking about Friday the 13th Part 2.
1: Hello?
0: On a June night in 1980, Friday the 13th, 12 of her friends were murdered. Why should Friday the 13th, 1981 be any different? Friday the 13th, Part 2. The body count continues. 14. You're all doomed. You're all doomed. (gasps) 15. God. 16 Help! 17 18 19 21 22 23
4: Sandra Jeff
0: The day you count on for terror is not over Friday the 13th no!
3: Friday the 13th Part 2 from 1981, though set five years later, yep. currently sitting at 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 28% on Rotten Tomatoes, Boo. 26% on Metacritic, and a 3.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd.
2: Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic hate these movies.
3: I really like Part 2. Yeah. I, yeah. I really, really like Part 2. And I know we've talked about them kind of before briefly on the podcast, and I have no idea what I said about prior that's perfect uh i dig it
2: yeah i think it's great i will say though watching them back to back the beginning of oh, part two boy. is inexcusable <laughs> oh. oh dear god oh my it I, is uh, it, i understand
3: oh. like the next summer you're trying to get people up to speed so
2: yeah theatrically sure go ahead and do it but not on a home video release it should have been scrubbed oh. it, there should have it should have never gone to blu-ray
3: we had to watch the whole finale. The, the
2: whole finale?
3: The whole fucking finale. Six minutes, I think we clocked it at.
2: Yeah, and tip if you have this on Blu ray or DVD, you can skip. Chapter two is Alice waking up from her nightmare, which is the end of the first movie. Oh, boy. It's just, it's a lot when you've just watched the first it's one. It's
3: just the finale. So it's just the finale, and then we cut back and forth to slightly longer haired Alice in bed being like, oh. <sighs>
2: Oh, it's, oh God! <laughs> it's 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 funny at first, and then it gets hard to watch, and then it doesn't get funny again. Like it doesn't it doesn't do that Family Guy move where they, yeah, they bring it back.
3: The entire I guess cold open of the movie, uh, which is Alice's death, our final girl get finds her untimely end in her apartment.
2: R.I.P. Alice
3: is interesting because the rest of the movie picks up five years later, like it never happened not like it never happened they they do reference her and kind of the the strange things that occurred 5 years ago just up the road uh, on another portion of the lake but they feasibly could have started part 2 without finishing Alice's
2: story they could have they really could have but i think they wanted to try and make it well i mean what other franchise was doing that at the time you know i guess Halloween 2 had kind of come out already and it had Jamie Lee Curtis had it come out already? Shit, I don't know. But either way, like you're not really in a time of sequels yet, period, is what it comes down to. So the idea that you would have a sequel to a movie that didn't have any of the original characters probably just didn't make sense. So they were like, well, we have to have her, at the very least, for one scene.
3: I kind of really enjoy jason in that opening kill sequence because he sets up such a a version of jason Voorhees that we are so unfamiliar with to by today's jason Voorhees standards yeah yeah yeah. alice gets a prank call she gets a phone call with that's just dead air and whatever it could have just been a coincidence it could have been a mistake it could have been like a friday the 13th happenstance um it's two months later i don't know if that's enough time for another friday the 13th to occur but who knows Jason, I, I assume, breaks into her apartment because she's she's on high alert. She's locked her doors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Stows good old mother's head <laughs> in her fridge. In the fridge. And then after he stabs Alice with an ice pick, he has the forethought to remove the kettle that was on the stove off the burner that's lit.
2: With his grubby human hands.
3: With his human ass hands. yeah. Maybe my favorite thing about Baghead Jason is his human ass hands. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's not the bag. It's not the bag. It's, oh, fuck- it's not the overalls. Oh, it's not the ice pick.
3: <laughs> I love his little overalls. <laughs> no. <sighs> I, I mm, it's so it's so hard to commit on a podcast because like somebody's gonna come to me in like six months when I when I'm like part six Jason is my favorite Jason and they're like Kim you said part two Jason is your favorite Jason because
2: of his widow bag head. because
3: <laughs> of his widow eye peeking
2: out <laughs> and his
3: overalls <laughs> he's hey, probably my Jason, favorite Jason.
2: This Jason does a great job and all we have for expressing emotion is one little eyeball. I
3: love his little eye. He I does know. a great job. Yeah, part two Jason I think is my favorite. Favorite. And he jogs and he's just uh
2: oh. We have so we have talked about in the podcast before, but I we do not like Jason with human hands, no matter how dirty those human hands are, <laughs> whether they're cut up or bloody. In,
3: in term, in terms of Jason Cannon, like I don't want my Jason to have human hands, but Baghead Jason with his human hands, it kind of kills.
2: Him. Well, because he's still a human being, right? I love that this movie does nothing to sort of explain away why he exists, why he's an adult man. There's like, fuck it. And, like, <laughs> they
3: show his shoes so often, and his laces are tied. Well, it's because we don't see
2: like, okay, and they're nice round. <laughs> That's where you're going with this. They're
3: nice. Around black boots, and you're like, Little Jason, did you steal those shoes? <laughs>
2: he stole everything that he owns, man. Like, did he you had get to get those
3: off a... some guy who came to your camp.
2: I love that we have this camp that is abandoned, and he could live in any of those cabins, but instead, he's just like stolen pieces of wood and cardboard to make his own little oh, like, place in the woods. his
3: own little home. It's pretty sad. I so, though, I don't think his cabin is part of the main camp, like, it's got to be off.
4: No, it's from... just in the woods,
3: yeah, because. By this film's theory, he's this, like, feral boy who survived the drowning and has just been living in the woods ever since the camp closed. Mm-hmm. So he can't have been part of the camp. Otherwise, they would have seen him. Like, they tried to open the camp. So, like, the original incident happened in, like, 1958. Jason
2: old as fuck. Yeah.
3: And two years later was the incident that closed the camp, I think, for good.
2: I think I think he died in 1957, and his mom killed those cancellors in 1958. And then there were those fires. And then it turns out the water was bad. Like, we get a lot of that info from the first movie. And I, th- I think it is a combination of the water's bad. And so it preserved Jason. And because of his mother's love and the weird supernatural happenstance of Friday the 13th, 1980, he comes back from the dead or is alive underwater there's some murky stuff about whether or not jason is a real live boy but if we're
3: going by his hands he is quite alive
2: yeah so either he's just been living in the woods since 1957 which is super sad because he probably heard his mom's voice came running out of the woods because he found her body he owns her head so he discovers that his mom is still alive just in enough time to see her get killed which is ooh that sucks What's sadder? That he's he's like resurrected from the dead as like a as a as a, as a horrible person who does nothing but murder, or oh. just somebody who's lived in the woods and is now seeking revenge for everybody that has killed his mother and ruined his life.
3: Yeah, I don't understand the logic.
2: No, and I don't think we're supposed to. It doesn't matter. Yeah, because like,
3: if he was alive enough to grow into like a full ass six foot something I'm gonna say six. Six <laughs> foot six tall male, six seven if you add the bag's height. Sure. And the the black shoes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pamela and him could have had loves that whole time. They could have been a happy family. She could have been like, oh, crying by Crystal Lake, my son's dead, and he'd be like, not true, Mama. And she would have been <laughs> like, oh my Jason, and he would have been like, we're together forever.
2: That conversation totally happened. It was just all in his head. They are still, a <laughs> ha- yeah, they are, they are still a happy family. Uh, you know, she, she died a murderer, and he carries that legacy on for her. Um and yeah, whatever who cares i don't honestly i don't care I love why jason t- exists
3: how many times in this franchise is just like whatever and yeah then, fuck but... it
2: <laughs> Fuck. who cares yeah whatever it doesn't it doesn't matter you blow him apart into a million pieces i don't care how he gets put back together in the next movie you don't even have to tell me how you just have to have one scene where he's just like screwing his arm back into place and i'm like yep yeah, there they, they covered it
3: <laughs> he's a bot
2: yeah <laughs> I'm fine with it. I don't care. He's here. I'm happy for it. And these kids are even better than the first round of kids, right? Especially Ginny. Ginny is She's leaps and so bounds good. ahead of Alice.
1: Oh,
3: sorry Alice. She's yeah. so
2: good. <laughs> Apologies. You do you 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 came back. You're in the sequel. You're pretty high up on the credits, but from what I can tell. But uh Ginny may be the maybe the best final girl of the whole franchise.
3: I Love her. She's got so much, like, (laughs) panache. Panache.
2: Well, she's also hella smart. She figures out Jason because she literally, like, psychologically profiles him. When they're at the bar, everybody's just like laughing around, having a good time, and she starts to really think about him and who he is and what he must be like and what life is, what like what horrible life he's been living, and she sympathizes with him, but she understands him, and she's able to use that against him when he finally has her her cornered in his cabin.
3: Oh, it's and it's such a good sequence.
2: I I you know my favorite part about it is that she so she puts the sweater on. I think we all know this. <laughs> she, <laughs> she she finds she finds Pamela Voorhees head pamela's sweater she puts the sweater on pretends to be mom and you can see that jason doesn't buy it at first he still takes a step toward her and she doesn't Mother's back down talking to yeah me, jason. right she gets real stern with him and he's like oh shit maybe it is mom
1: Oh you know? shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> man i love that i love that so much it's so smart and you know they they, they use it in like every other movie of the franchise too
3: Yeah, and there's so many iconic things of the franchise that are brought to life in this film, apart from like Jason's an adult human male who likes to cut people up the The camp itself is just like so iconic, like the campfire scene. You're just
2: saying that because you've been playing the video game a I lot. I like
3: it, and, it,
2: like, Pack and Act, like they do it. They do an incredible it's job of really recreating Paganac. But
3: but yeah, like the main house is so good, and yeah, we talked about the shack. The franchise would not be the same without the shack. <laughs>
2: not to not to keep talking about Ginny though, but I do. <laughs> like oh, I'm serious. She's she's got like Nev Campbell level of of final girl status because she's a smart woman she doesn't really take shit from anybody she's she kind of like takes any opportunity to like to be a bit of a joker and she fucks like it's not like she's like this virginal character who who has to like remain pure for the, throughout the whole movie. She's just a real woman <laughs> and she's actually uses her knowledge uh to to defeat this fucking guy who's coming after
3: yeah, her. Yeah, it's fun too cuz like a lot all of the women in part 2 I thoroughly enjoy because they're all really independent and headstrong. Maybe there's a little bit of like a like an eve syndrome with some of, some of them. Like Sandy, I think. She's the one that leads her boyfriend cuz she wants to go check out Camp Blood. Oh yeah. And He's kind of afraid and she's like, Come on, you pansy like, Yeah. <laughs> she drags him there. And I, I I guess like part of it is like, yeah, like I said, like Oh, the that's Eve what you meant symptom. by Eve. Like, okay. Like yeah. the 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 tempted by the 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 evil woman. But all of the women have kind of individuality and, and there's there's some pretty awesome girls. Like my favorite is apart from Ginny. Ginny's pretty dope. But Vicky and Mark, like, they don't get a whole ton of screen time, but I fucking love Vicky. Think she's he's great. so sweet. and, and She wants Mark oh,
2: so bad. She's
3: so thirsty for
2: Mark. <laughs> like, from moment one, she's just like, that guy. <laughs> she's like, I like forearms. He's got them.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and she's so cute. Like, when they, they just, they're, like, gonna get a private little cabin. She goes off and puts on, like, the most hideous underwear ever. They're pretty terrible-looking
2: like, underwear for 2021, yeah.
3: It's fucking adorable. Like, she's putting on perfume, and she's, like, picking out her clothes and stuff to go have this date with him and it's fucking sweet. She's it's, the one that hit on him. Yeah, she's yeah, yeah. the one that asked him out.
2: It made me so sad when she came back to the cabin and she was looking for him. Oh, so she sad. looked she like heartbroken almost.
3: Like and how it, dare he get murdered on
2: you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know okay, my my absolute favorite character in the whole movie though. Um like outside of Jenny is is Ted. Ted is great because he's just a goofball.
3: So funny.
2: And he lives because he just wants to keep partying. He's just like, I think I'm going to have a few more beers at this weird casino in the middle of nowhere. You guys go on back to the cabin. It's-
3: it's so weird. So that's the only thing that I, that I kind of criticize part two for. And maybe this is just like my anxiety is the whole time. I'm like, there's another car gone. Like the truck. Oh, there's a whole other group of kids. There's a whole other group of kids coming. So when it ends, I'm like, so that other group of kids just survived because they all piled into that truck and, and it was just Ginny and Paul that returned home in her car. So there's a bunch of counselors at that bar well, still.
2: Ted was asking if there are any after hours spots. So maybe they just went to another place. I know, but you think it was an inside job? Is that what you're saying?
3: I just think that, like, like oh, Jason, you didn't get to kill them all. So it's funny too when you when you mentioned the 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 game, the Friday Thirteenth, the game. And when you escape in the car from now on in my headcanon, they just go to that casino slash bar That's where they drive off the to? Road.
2: I, be- I believe it, yeah.
3: The-, the survivors are all just drinking beers at that little like small town pub.
2: I like the thing when I escape that I go down to the diner and I ask Sandra to give me a hot cup of coffee. Black. Strong. <laughs> or Sandy. Sandy's her name. Man, we didn't even talk about her. She's the best damn waitress. It's a bit of a detour. It seems like they're really trying to stretch the movie out, but whatever, they give Steve something to do.
3: I'm glad that nobody murdered her.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If it happened
3: now he would leave and then she would get like her face shoved Sh- into the like deep fryer. Th- yeah. Yeah,
2: let's do or, it. Like, Sorry onto the Sandy.
3: or something. Oh, yeah.
2: I would yeah, I would love to see that. Eyeball pops out no! like a fresh egg. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it.
3: <laughs> so and, and speaking of the, the kind of the weird loose end of, of half the camp being gone and not returning. And there, there's no kind of finale for them. At oh, the... like they
2: don't show up when the cops are there and they're like, holy shit.
3: Yeah. So at the end, it's really ambiguous. We think that it's Paul and Ginny that are left, that, that are at the camp of the core camp group. Yeah. Paul and Ginny are left and Muffin. Muffin makes a surprise return. Right little muffin
2: muffin made it
3: and then jason does his carry surprise where he breaks through the window and he's like bah! and we get that like one time only jason has hair design yeah
2: jason's got locks he
3: looks like the beast in human form he's sure he's got big luxurious <laughs> locks french braidable and then she wakes up in a gurney, and the ambulance is there. Paul is nowhere to be seen, but there's nobody else. Like Ted hasn't returned. Yeah, it's daytime. Like what the fuck is going on? I mean, it's not
2: a great final closing thing, but like there, there is there. They, he has to get away in order to kill another day, right? Like there has to be some sort of way for him to slip out the back door in order for him to to come back for part three.
3: Yeah, but it just leaves it so like if you're if you're ending on two alone, it leaves it so ambiguous as to what was real and where it actually
2: ended. You know I'm, with I mean? you. I'm with you on that. Because yeah. she
3: could have never seen.
2: Well, the reports are definitely going to go down like, what are you talking about? That couldn't be Jason. Jason died 30 years ago. You're nuts. Oh, She's well. obviously traumatized because she saw one of her friends kill all of her other friends. I think that's maybe what they're leaning towards. Yeah, it's just so weird that little... we don't
3: see Paul or Ted or any of the returned counselors. Yeah, or like they, there's no like police officer like pushing up to the ambulance and the paramedics being like leave her alone, being like what happened here? We found your friend dead. Yeah, <laughs> like, that
2: makes that 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 would make sense. You're right. Like that is that is a little bit of a weak point for it, but it, it doesn't it doesn't outweigh the strengths that this fucking movie has. I honestly don't think like if somebody. If somebody's new to the franchise, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen any of the Friday the 13th movies or, you know, you've only seen Jason versus Freddy or something, I would say, like, if you really want to watch all of them, don't watch them in order. That would be my biggest recommendation, like probably watch part six first. And then maybe part two. Like watch would... part
3: one first, though, if you're not what? familiar with the oh, franchise. Oh, yeah. Part one is separate of the other segments.
2: I get it, but like, it—I don't think it plays great as your first introduction to Friday the Thirteenth.
3: No, like, if you're if you're coming to get your Jason on, don't watch the first one. But if you want to know the heart of Friday the Thirteenth, watch the first one.
2: I don't believe that somebody out there is aware of the Friday the Thirteenth movies and doesn't know who Jason Voorhees is. So, like, I think it's it's hard to just pick one and and like, I, I, well, I guess what I'm saying is if you're new to the franchise I, I think you're gonna spend the whole time waiting for the hockey mask and then you're gonna still wait for the hockey mask for like two more movies
3: I uh, see I would go part two part three part six so we're, we're then... pretty we're
2: pretty much recommending the same movies just in a different order is what, <laughs> part two what part three
3: part six the 2009 remake because it gives you yeah, not, all of oh, those yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, then, if you're if
2: you're like under 25 and you're freshly new to the franchise, you should probably be watching the remake <laughs> very close, like very very early on in your in your franchise binge.
3: Yeah, and then Freddy vs. Jason, and <laughs> sure. then uh, Jason goes to hell, and then not the other one.
2: <laughs> wow, <laughs> just gonna leave out the best ones of the franchise. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Kim didn't even mention the final chapter arguably could could be the best of the franchise and then you have everyone's personal favorite jason takes manhattan
3: john get your list away from my list
2: <laughs> I, they are a- absolute opposite lists your
3: list is too close to my list <laughs> hey
2: i gotta say if if ginny isn't the best final girl of the franchise it's
3: Freddy krueger kim is it
2: kim the girl
3: from...
2: <laughs> wow okay uh the gr- the, the, the girl from uh, new blood i think it's kim right i think her name's kim Tina Tina fuck yeah okay my mistake okay well let's let's stop talking about the franchise as a whole because you, you
3: started this you and I
2: I did you and I you and I come at these movies from completely different angles like I really respect the ones that work that are serious because like there are definitely two types of Friday the 13th movies there are the serious scary this is a horror movie movie and then you you cross that bridge like once you get to part six and it's just like hey this is goofball town baby like and I hope you're ready for it and those are those are some of my favorites. I think of the serious movies, Part Two is the best, and I, I I honestly think it's one of the best horror movie sequels of all time. Not just because it's like got great kills and is just shot really well and has awesome characters, but because it completely pivots and changes the the entire thing. I guess that's only good because there are another ten movies after it. Like if if this franchise ended at two or three. Probably be like, oh, well, number two sucks because that's where everything went wrong. They should have stuck with mom or or something. But uh, I, I love how they just made it Jason and they, they did their best not to try and answer any of the questions everyone yeah, had about they that. They really
3: fucking committed. <laughs> yeah, they're like,
2: yeah, we'll get to it in, I don't know, part eight or something. Maybe we'll <laughs> talk about it in, in in another movie. But for now, it's he's just a big old boy with a big bag on his head and he's ready to kill you.
3: How do you feel about the this is another one of my so of my of my part two bones yeah funny enough like plot continuity is not a bone at all it's just the weird anxiety i have about the other campers not that at, is like
2: a weird thing it to bugs okay. me
3: the whole movie all i right. cannot get into the movie because i'm like the
2: other where one? are the other kids camp- the unaccounted for children <laughs> you would make a great camp counselor <laughs>
3: <laughs> buddy system <laughs> so the other thing is the fact that this isn't a summer camp It is a,
2: it's a training center. It's a
3: camp for counselors.
2: Well, I mean, uh, none of these are really summer camps. Like part three, it's just like a cottage on that lake. Part four, another cottage on that lake. All right. I don't even think it's on that lake. I think it's just close to the hospital where Jason Voorhees is brought. Part five is somewhere else entirely. Part Part six is the only movie that actually has a summer camp and kids at the camp.
3: Part one was a summer camp. They were just fixing it up. There yes, no but
2: the there. summer camp's not open. You know, like, it's it's, it's but just... But this
3: one is, like, the most absurd thing ever. A camp for, like, counselor training. More absurd than space.
2: <laughs> More absurd than teenagers
3: in space. I stand by what I said.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Um, Fine. It's smart because they know you don't want kids around. We need a summer camp, but we can't have kids because they really are noisy. They're such
3: a drag. Uh, yeah! They're a real drag if Jason steps on one. <laughs> but <laughs> it is... If one gets yeeted into the lake.
2: I don't know anybody who... <laughs> Jesus. I don't... I don't, <laughs> I don't know anybody who's gone. Oh, I would gone. pay good
3: money to see Jason yeet a kid. <laughs> Carry on. <clears throat>
2: Honestly, for me, the it's it's just weird <laughs> that a group of adults would pay to go to like a summer camp counselor training. Yeah, it's ass- not, I assume it's, it's not free.
3: Yeah, and camp counseling, well somebody's paying for this. Yeah, camp counseling. I'm assuming a minimum wage job that you have maximum two to three months out of the year.
2: Yeah, they're they're obviously you do
3: not need training for.
2: It. They're doing this to get some sort of certificate to go to the rich kid camp, like to be a counselor at the camp that actually pays well. Is my guess.
3: Yeah, I guess I buy that. Like a country clubbers camp.
2: Yeah, like the camp at the other end the of the camp lake in meatballs. that
3: has
2: horses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's $10,000 a week when you get to kill a human being on the last day. You're like, what? <laughs>
3: <laughs> what would you like to see Jason do <laughs> if he was at a camp that a kid's had kids at it? Um, I don't
2: know. Tie a kid feet to the flagpole and raise him up (laughs) like in a thunderstorm the (laughs) kid gets shot by lightning
3: it's fucking canoe day and he just appears out of the water and he's just like tipping (laughs) canoes canoes. (laughs) that sounds good I'm into that (laughs) on his way to like to kill the sexually active ages
2: (laughs) I mean it It reminds me that we haven't talked about any of the kills really in this outside of outside of Alice's death at the beginning with the ice pick which is good I like it
3: oh yeah ice picks are super upsetting
2: very 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 But, but what's your favorite kill in the movie there's a um, few really good ones.
3: Mark's death is the most upsetting, I think.
2: Oh, the machete to the face because
3: it's so fucking abrupt. It's just like out of it's nowhere. machete to the face and then wheelchair down the stairs.
2: Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, he doesn't even have to hide that body. Oh, it's just gone.
3: <laughs> that body disposed of itself. <laughs> yeah,
2: I think. Uh, th- I mean, the-, the kill that I want to like the most is Jeff and Sandra, but we don't really get it in the movie. You know, like I, I, on the VHS, when you rented the movie, I don't know if you ever did this as a kid. When you rented the movie, they had the photo of the two of them in bed with the spear going directly through them into the ground. And it's just like, holy shit, that looks incredible. And then you watch the movie. They don't have it. It's not there. Oh. But and we I think we have we have the Blu-ray. I think in the DV, I think in the deleted scenes, they shot it. You can look at it, but it's just not in the movie, which is a bummer. That's the one I want to like the most. It's kind of a copy of of, of of Blood, from what I've heard. I haven't seen Bay of Blood, but I'm looking forward to it. I think. I think my favorite though is when Vicky, who's dating Mark, dating's a loose word,
3: about to date. <laughs> yes, her.
2: she put on nice, nice pants for Mark. <laughs> <laughs> she put on nice panties for Mark.
3: Ew, don't say that. Go she back put, to pants.
2: <laughs> she... <laughs> I was gonna edit it. <laughs> she put on nice unders for Mark, and uh, and when she finds Jeff and Sandra. Well, she, she, I don't, does she even find Jeff and Sandra? She just comes into the room where Jeff and Sandra were having sex.
3: The axe, I think, right? Is no, that- that's
2: part one. You're oh. talking about where they, where, where Jason has, or where Pamela Voorhees has tucked that axe to bed. That was so sweet. <laughs> Put it on a pillow. <laughs> no, so she's in the room and Jason's under the covers. Oh yeah. And this is where I think this is where we first see that he's got a bag head, right? He's, yes. Yeah, and then she, so she's like pinned with fright against the wall. Now I remember where Jeff and Sandra are hanging. Oh yeah. Yeah, and 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 he's coming at her POV from his face, and it's just the fucking kitchen knife getting closer. And his closer little black cl-
1: thumbnail. His little black
2: thumbnail getting closer and closer to her until the camera like racks focus onto her before he stabs her. It is so fucking good. It's
3: really fucking wonderful. She did have enough time to run away a little bit. Yeah, but you know. She committed to the shot. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, it's the same with uh, it's the same with the, the girl that gets killed in the shower in, in the first movie. Um, you know, I think it's just like for her, like I've always laughed like, wow, she just like screamed like a like a goof and got hit in the face with an axe. She didn't even try to run away. But in, in my head now, she's petrified with fear because she's literally living this nightmare she's had before. So she she can't even think about running away. But I think I think the same is probably true for Vicky here. I think she's just scared. Poor Vicky.
3: Baghead coming out of the covers is shot so well. Yeah. Him rising up is such a traditionally scary moment and we're not we're not familiar with Jason Voorhees at no, this point. No, 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 no. That's fucking
2: spooky. You could even argue that like you're just you don't know who's killing. Like there's there's still some mystery to it, right? Because the first movie we don't know who the killer is. We maybe think it's one of the kids. Turns out to be the mom of a kid who died at the camp. The second movie, we we established very early. It's definitely not her because her head is in the fridge.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, like horror movies. Just because somebody got their head cut off doesn't mean they're not back and killing again <laughs> in the second one, right? But we know it's not her. But who could it be? I think maybe a bunch of people probably guessed it's it's Jason. I have no idea. But there is there is at least an air of mystery that you don't know who this could have been.
3: Yeah. And he's genuinely scary when they start showing him. And I know like he's got his human hands and his his little round little boots <laughs> and he runs around with his no depth perception. So there's one moment that I am genuinely still terrified about to this day. And okay, there's one jump scare that gets me.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> it's a really good jump scare.
3: But it's when Ginny and Rob are running through the downstairs of that lodge and they go into the back half of the lodge and it's dark mm-hmm. and Ginny goes- Oh my God, there's yes! There's someone in this room with us. But
2: she can't She can't you quite can't, see them and, and she doesn't know. we can't fucking quite
3: see them. And then you see Baghead Jason coming after him and she's like, there's someone in this room. Like That she, is a
2: real good moment. She,
3: it's she really, senses it. Oh, like it's really- ineffective to not like go after him or attack him but I I understand that like fight or flight motion where you just choose announcing fight or flight (laughs) like where you're just like (laughs) frighten. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so that th- I completely forgot about that. That really fucking works. That's that's almost just as good as Michael Myers just like fading in from the fucking darkness, Ugh, right? But it's
3: so fucking good. That
2: jump scare you were talking about is so well built Ugh. and it gets you every time.
3: I have the memory of a goldfish.
2: Yeah. Jump
3: scares always get We me. watched
2: this last summer for it was like it was like we were watching it again for the first time. I know we've seen it before, but it's definitely the first time that we like really gave it its due last year. Okay. <laughs> And there is a jump scare where Ginny has, like, first encountered Jason. And she's trying to escape. I think it's right after the there's someone in this room moment. She's barricaded herself in the, the kitchen. The bathroom. The bathroom. And she's, she's like, holding onto that door so fucking hard. But she can see that, like, oh, I can get out of this window if I just Ugh. make it over. And she, like, just gets over there in time. And bam, Jason comes slamming through the window. Ugh. It sounds so boring to talk about on a podcast. No, I'm telling so you, in good. the fucking movie, it works. Ugh. And it, it makes Kim jump out of her goddamn skin like, every time. Like,
3: butt off. The seat. I like, knew
2: it was coming, and I just didn't like say anything. Like a fucking
3: cat with a cucumber behind. <laughs> have you seen that meme? No, John? I it's have not. Pretty good. <laughs> Cats are afraid of them. Okay. Oh, it yeah, yeah every time every fucking time I always forget because I'm just like oh letting go of the door letting go of the window it's Let great
2: run. and they, they play off that again at the very end of the movie uh, because it's 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 not the exact same scene don't get me wrong but it is very similar in how it's constructed and now it's Paul and Ginny barricading themselves against what they think is Jason and when they finally open the door and they're gonna fucking attack whoever's there it's Muffin it's so little Muffin Muffin made it out we're so f- so scared for that dog
3: so scared for Muffin he's I mean, cute Something did get destroyed at Old Camp Blood, because they were like, is this a dog? And you're like, Muffin! (laughs) Um, But it was not Muffin.
1: No.
2: yeah, Muffin
3: bow intact after her encounter with Jason. Yeah, just hanging out in the woods. Muffin is the true final girl.
2: That's true! (laughs) So, what's your rating of Friday the 13th Part 2?
3: Okay, um... Fuck, this is hard. This is so hard. It's almost like you you kind of need to watch them all so you can just assemble them in an order <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. to rate them. I'm
2: really looking forward to re-watching all of these so I can finally get my definitive ranking down. I'm I, I really
3: year. want to watch part three now. Okay, so as an individual movie, very fucking scary, such a great final girl, love all the female characters. Love almost everything about it, except for the anxiety I have about the campers that are gone. That is
2: such a weird thing.
3: Shut up, John. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Three and a half out of four.
2: Yeah, I'm also giving this a three and a half out of four. You like this as much as the first one. I do. Okay, I like this more than the first one, obviously. But my God, are they both good.
3: Yeah, it's a hard choice. It's so hard. And I think my ratings would change if I was trying to compare them to each other.
2: That is that is the problem, right? And when you're doing your, your full franchise ranking... Actually, you know what? It's a little easier to do your full franchise ranking because you get to go, I like this one more than this yeah, one. Yeah, you, you're just like one.
3: assembling them. But watching them individually and trying to... like, And I'm trying to ignore all of the periphery stuff, like, all the stuff I know about the franchise and all the stuff that, that's come before and come after, and, like, my favorite versions of Jason are different than other people's favorite versions of Jason. Yeah. I'm just trying to watch this for what it is. Honestly, by the if I do that for all of them, I'm probably going to be, like, 3.5 across the board.
2: There, well, that's... And that's the thing. And I, I know we were trying not to talk about the franchise as a whole. We have failed at that in both halves of this episode. <laughs> so, uh, uh-oh. But... I really think Friday the 13th is maybe the best fr- horror franchise we've had. It is, it at least at the very least, the returns on investment are just as good every time. It's maybe got one, like, at the end of the day, you've probably only got one, maybe two movies that you don't like personally. But they've all got something good. They've all got something great and worthwhile. And you, you can't really say that about every other franchise. I'd say, like, if we're really just comparing it to, say, Halloween... And Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. like those, like are your, the
3: three juggernauts.
2: Yeah, those are your three main hitters. I guess you could lump, ch- you know, Chucky and Child's Play in there if you really wanted to. Fight of the Thirteenth wins.
1: Yeah, it's got like way for, more hits than the other ones for overall
3: consistency. Yeah, absolutely.
2: It might also just be that we only watch them at the summertime, and that is the absolute right time to watch them. And you it's know,
3: so fucking hard to hate on summer vibes. Yeah. All the fucking short shorts in these movies, how can you hate them? There
2: are a lot of short shorts. (laughs) And they're not always warmer than people you would expect.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's mostly the boys.
2: Three and a half out of four from the both of us. But that's just our opinion. Let us know what you thought of Friday the 13th and Friday the 13th Part 2 uh, on social media. We're either Nightmare on Film Street or NOFS Podcast. You can look us up. We'll be chatting about these movies in the Nightmare on Film Street Discord, which you can join at NOFSPodcast.com slash Discord. We'd love to talk to you about movies over there and about this episode. Let us know your franchise ranking of Friday the 13th. Everybody's got one, and everyone's different. That's why. I so love true. That piece, yeah. It's so fucking true. What's your What's your least favorite? Ah, everybody's least favorite is the same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which sucks because it has one of the best kills of the whole franchise, and it's
3: got a really cool opening.
2: Yeah, he... that's the thing. That's the problem, right? Like, even the worst movie has some stuff that I will fight tooth and nail for.
3: And it also has the fucking inaugural Freddy glove in the franchise.
2: Yeah, suck it, Gene Siskel. These movies are great. <laughs>
3: And if you're a fan of Nightmare on Film Street and you haven't already subscribed, hit that subscribe button. And if you can leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you're grabbing this, that would help us so much in growing the show and getting it in front of more fiends. And if you've been a longtime fiend and you want more Nightmare on Film Street, you want to hang out with us more with our live streams and watch parties, join us in the Fiend Club. It's only six bucks a month. All of the donations go right back into Nightmare on Film Street and supporting our contributors and everything we do here. That is at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. Uh, Our next watch party is not yet announced, but the Fiend Club will be going to summer camp, and we're going to be doing a really fun watch party sequence through the month month of August, and we would love if you joined us. That is at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub.
2: But until next time, I'm John.
3: I'm Kim.
0: Stay Stay creepy. creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends.